Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Everybody and welcome to another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of Beautiful, British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall, and I'm doing the show solo this week. I decided to give Steve and Zach the weekend off. There wasn't a Whitecaps MLS game to chat about. They're busy guys. Give them a chance to spend some family time, enjoy the nice weather. I've been super busy myself. I've been out at a number of Provincial Cup games. Saw three Provincial Cup games from Friday to Sunday. A WFC2 game thrown in the mix as well. So it's been very, very busy time. So trying to find the time to get all three of us together was going to be a little bit tricky. So I thought I'll just do this episode myself. It's going to be predominantly an interview-heavy show. We've got a one-on-one sit-down chat with Whitecaps head coach Vanni Sartini, just looking at the Whitecaps' woes just now and whether they can turn things around quickly enough with three big MLS home games coming up this month. We're also going to be looking at Whitecaps FC2. We've got a, a very fun chat with two of the star performers from that team. Two brothers, two centre-backs... Christian and Matteo Capagna. We're going to be chatting to them in part three. But we're going to start this part by looking at the Big Whitecaps news of the week. And that is, there's a new DP in town. 25-year-old Paraguayan midfielder Andres Kubis is officially a Whitecap. It's been rumoured for a few weeks now. The deal is done. It's over the line. He's been signed to a four-year deal. From French League 2 club, Nîmes Olympique. Has 167 appearances to his name at club level. Has played in Argentina, in France, in Italy. Capped nine times for the Paraguayan national team. Came through the Boca Juniors system in Argentina. Has been with Nîmes for a, a couple of seasons now. They got relegated from League 1 last season. In League 2 this season, Kubis led the league in combined tackles and interceptions. 2.6 successful tackles per match, 2.7 interceptions. Had 18 starts, 21 appearances overall this season. He scored two goals and added three assists in his 50 appearances across all competitions in France. And he's definitely a player that is going to make this Whitecaps team better. 
for a long time, the Whitecaps have been needing a, a really strong Diego Chara, Ozzy Alonso type of defensive midfielder. Now, in Kubis, it looks like we've got one. He's going to be signed to a four-year deal, as I mentioned. And I think partly for that is because to make him a designated player and just the way that the salary cap is working because of who the Whitecaps already have on their roster, needing to spread that salary over as long a period as possible. But he certainly looks to be a, a great addition. I'm delighted to have him here. Of course, he isn't here just yet because they still have to get all the visa and stuff sorted out and knowing how long there has been with some visa issues in the past and just visa processes altogether, it could still take a couple of weeks. He does have a US visa, but it's different for having to then be playing in the US. So he has to get a a playing visa for the US and for Canada. So hopefully we will see him sooner rather than later. So what is he going to bring to the team? How is he going to make the Whitecaps better? He's not going to cure all their ills, but he most certainly will help. So let's hear a little bit now from Whitecaps Sporting Director and CEO Axel Schuster, who's just chatting to to media this week about the signing of Kubis, and I asked him a few other things as well. So... We've got a, a new player coming to the club, Andrews Kubis. You've got that over the line now. What is it about him that you've wanted to make him a, a white cap? And what do you feel he's going to do to make this team better? I think it, it was a position of need and that is exactly the profile we were looking for. Um, we have identified him already December last year. Um, and... Um, we he was he was top three on our list at any point throughout the whole process. He was top one on our list since I would say late January. Um, so the, the 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 main ask we have for this profile is somebody who um, is very very good in in tackles and and holding off the the attack of the opponent before they run on our defense line. Somebody who who can, I would say, lead and guide our defense from a position ahead of our defense line. And in all of his stats, he is uh, he is one of the guys that has the highest amount of tackles, successful tackles in all leagues he played. Also in the French League uh, uh, a year ago when he was play- playing there in the first league. Um, then he has very good passing abilities um, he is not the guy that will create threat, and that was what we are not look. We were not looking for. We need somebody. I would say that that is uh, uh, the 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 guy that keeps the the backs free for our guys that are very good in creating threat, like uh, Ryan Gold, Peter Vita, um, and Diver, and those guys. So we we were looking for somebody who can cover the ground behind them, that they are a little bit more free to play forward and and use their skills in the in the in the game forward. Vani spoke, I think it was after the game on Saturday, about needing to stop letting players run fifty yards unchecked. Which, but from what you've said, sounds like Kubis is going to be the guy that is going to fit that. What have you made? 
of the team start to the season, especially kind of in regards with that midfield. Because although the defence has been playing well and that there's a little bit going in attack, it does feel that everything at the moment is kind of falling down both offensively and defensively in the middle of the park. Yeah, we look at far more detailed into that. I think the uh, although uh, and don't get me wrong, we are not uh, trying to 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 make something nicer than it is really is. But the X goals against us went down from last season, also for the part for the time of the run that when he was coach. Um, I said it. I said it in an interview. I think yesterday or two days ago. Um, right now. And that was the clear message also to the team for the next two weeks. We really have to wake up and we have to focus on the basics of the game because what was really hurting us in the last two games, and obviously that's the last impression you have um, because we played better games before that, was that we don't that we don't have really compete well. So and um, I remind the team also that last year not everything was really good, and and as I said, we allowed even more X goal against us. Not everything was really good, but we were a team that that you couldn't break down. A team that was very strong in the basics of what we want to be. We want to be a team that nobody likes to play. A team that you cannot break down. A team that camps with a lot of effort and and mentality and and spirit and discipline. And, and we're lacking a little bit of that in the last two games, for whatever reason. Um, we also do a little bit too many individual mistakes, and we really get punished for every of them right now. But again, not Kubas for him alone, not, not only the signing of Kubas, not if we have more of our quality players on the pitch that we're also missing, and that's also actually hurting us. Um, will will change something if we are not getting back on track, being good on the things that always made us a successful team. And, and only if that now really turns around and we do better on that, then obviously having Ryan Gold full in shape and Ryan White full in shape and Caio at some point and, and having more players and more quality players ready and available and game ready, uh, will help us, but uh, uh, I don't want to use any of that as an excuse, and I don't want that the guys think uh, Kubas will now be the savior of our whole game and season. Um, we have a work that has to be done in these two weeks, and we have to show another face if we play against Toronto on Mother's Day. How concerned are you just now by the start of the season? Eight points back of the playoff line. I know last year the team did go on that good run, can't guarantee that to, to be replicated. So how concerned are you with these three home games coming up? They, they seem to loom massive because you could really be cut adrift by the end of May if you don't start to turn things around. Yeah, but it's not my way of thinking to be concerned about something that comes up. Uh, I'm more concerned about things that, that we actually have to deal with, but not with games that are coming up. I see every game as a chance. Uh, I, I told the team that we get another big chance in front of a good crowd with high broadcast ratings probably on Mother's Day to, to show another face and to, to, to continue where we, where we ended last season and also what we did already in a few home games. I think that our home games overall have been okay. 
Um, I think that against NOIFC, we got an okay point. We played a good game against Kansas and we have been unlucky against Portland. We have to continue on that. We have to find ways how we are more ready on the road as well. That's also thing, a thing we discussed. We had a lot of those games yet and we haven't looked in that way good. But there's time to work on this. The good thing is, and another reason why I'm not concerned, we have two weeks to prepare that. It gives us time to work on things, to make get players ready. And, and to use the to take the chance to to start the season again with a bunch of home games and then um, being in a better situation the next time we go on the road and hopefully then already with scubas and just last thing completely different topic what have you made to the the start of the season from wfc2 and how important are these short-term loan deals for the club and getting a chance to look at some players just to, to see if you maybe want to offer them an MLS deal because the, the guys so far like Ali Ahmed and Emilio, Emiliano Brienza seem to have really taken that opportunity when you've given it to them. And thank you, that's a great question and uh, I almost forgot to speak about that because sometimes we, we are really hard on ourselves and believe me and every, every of our supporters can believe me we are sitting here every day from early morning to, to late afternoon and discuss our problems and how we can solve them, how we can become better, what we can do, uh, how we can support players. Uh, we really we really hard work hard on that. And it's still the same team than last year that, that played very well with very few changes. And I, I don't accept that the changes are the reason for the results right now. But there is not only negative things in this season so far. Um, we have not played every game, it, it, not every of our games have been disaster. And there are other things we are working on since I'm in this club and I'm speaking about since I'm in the club that are developing finally in the right direction. We, we had two challenges years and we spoke so often about the need for all the talent that we have and all the young players we think that are not missing a lot to, to play in MLS the need of having a, a, a real meaningful competition platform and MLS Next Pro is that and um, I enjoy it a lot to see those games, to see that they play the style and the way we want to see our teams playing, uh, way intense, getting the results and I would say with, with uh, all the negative things that we saw in Austin, there were also a few positive things and one definitely was Ali Ahmed and his performance, a young guy that get the, gets the first minutes in MLS. And he would never play there and he would never get the minutes there in, in a very important moment for the team um, if we would not have the, the, the uh, um, MLS Next Pro platform and the guys would have played there. And for that reason, we also said um, there are not only four home games in a row, there are five because on next Saturday our MLS Next Pro team plays here against San Jose. And a good number of players from the first team will support the team and play there. And all the other players of the squad will be in the stadium and sit on the in, in the stands. And uh, uh, it's also a, a very good moment for our supporters and 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 kids and, and also you, if you're there to connect with our players, they will be all there and available. And we will support this team. We will support our guys from the first team that play there. And uh, I think we are doing a great job in keeping those two teams so closely connected. And it's also one reason why players can switch so easily from one team to the other. And then if they succeed, that's, a, that's one of the wonderful stories uh, that we had in this season so far. 
Yep, totally agree. They're playing lovely football. We'd encourage everyone to, to get out and support the guys. Thanks so much, Axel. Thank you. So Axel Schuster there just talking about the Cuba signing and a few other things as well. So just to, to finish talking about the Cuba the signing, I, I think it is a really good addition. But as Axel said there, one man coming into the team is not going to be the, the cure of all their ills. He is going to be a difference maker, but they need a lot more. And it looks like the Whitecaps are going to get a trade done before the primary transfer window closes this week in MLS. From what I've been led to believe, it's a player that's coming in. No players are going out. We're going to be shipping some of our GAM out, which, if you listen to Axel earlier in the year, it feels like we have GAM coming out of our, our ears just now. We've got a lot of GAM in the bank, and that, in part, has kind of been a little bit problematic for the Whitecaps because the, the player that they're looking to bring in, and I, I don't know who it is. I don't even know what position it is going to be. I mean, you can speculate where the need is most, but right now, that is kind of all over the team, it feels, because there's a, a lot of players that are maybe not performing to their levels and the, there's a lot of work needed to improve this team all over the park. Now, some of that will get better when the injuries clear up, but hopefully the addition of Kubis and this mysterious new MLS trade that's coming in will also help that. But with Axel coming out earlier in the season and saying that the Whitecaps had a, a lot of GAM in the bank. That was part of the reason why LAFC have given GAM over a couple of seasons for the trade of Max Cripot. It has kind of meant that the Whitecaps have been almost held hostage a, a little bit by other teams when they are inquiring about trades. And the, the Whitecaps are keen not to overpay in the market just because they've got all this GAM. That said, if it's the right guy, I am all for overpaying because you can't take this GAM with you. And for, for some of this GAM, it's going to expire this season, so they, they they need to get rid of it. But at the same time, you don't want to feel that you're getting fleeced and you're getting ripped off. So I believe that has been the stumbling block with some of the negotiations. But there should be a deal getting done this week, so watch all the, the socials for who it is that's coming in. Hopefully it will be a difference maker. Hopefully it's also a guy that is a first team starter already in a team and is going to come in and make this Whitecaps team better because they, they really, really need it. And, and listening to Axel there saying that he's not concerned is concerning because they should be concerned. And yeah, you you don't want to look too far ahead, but I think the way that things are going just now it's concerning times at the Whitecaps. They're sitting bottom of the West. They're sitting bottom of Major League Soccer as a whole. They're just not competitive enough in the games. And There's been a couple of decent performances as a team. There's been a couple of decent performances by individuals. Tristan Blackman... One of the standout players this season for me. Very few, though, at the moment are really getting pass marks as far as I'm concerned. So they need to be looking to change things. 
whether that is in formation, whether that is in personnel, whether that's in tactics. I think it's all of the above. And the man, of course, tasked with doing that is head coach Vanni Sartini. So I, I got a chance to sit down with Vanni this week to ask him a few things about such things. You can hear what he told me after this. Hi, I'm Tristan Blackman, and this is the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's a new month, which means it's a new Artist of the Month here at AFTN. And for me, we're getting right up to date. We've, we've brought you a few retro bands in recent episodes and recent months. But we're right up to date with a current band from Chicago, Illinois, a three-piece band Signed to Matador Records, they're called Horse Girl. They've released a a couple of singles so far and their debut album, Versions of Modern Performance, is going to get released on June 3rd. You can check out all their stuff in the usual places, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your music. You can also find them as well on thisishorsegirl.bandcamp.com. And if you really enjoy them, you can go and see them in July. They're playing July 15th at the Wise Hall in Vancouver. Hope to get along to that one. Should be a fantastic gig. But let's get back to the football chat now. So in the first part, we talked about the newest addition to the Whitecaps. Andres Kubis signed now. He's all officially a Whitecap. Hopefully we will get to see him on the pitch sooner rather than later if all these pesky visa things can get sorted out. We also heard from Axel Schuster in the first part. He's not overly concerned, he said, uh, about the the Whitecaps' current plight, but, I mean, it is starting to look a little bleak even this early in the season. The the weekend's results around MLS have kept the the Whitecaps eight points behind the, the playoff line. They've now got a game in hand on most of the teams above them, with that game against Seattle being postponed this weekend because of their CONCACAF Champions League final appearance. But the Whitecaps are currently sitting on four points from their eight matches, one win, six defeats and one draw, just six goals scored, 17 against, a goal difference of minus 11. It's the worst in the West... 
And it's the worst in MLS, with the, the Whitecaps also sitting bottom of the Supporters' Shield standings just now. 28th out of 28 teams. It's the Whitecaps' worst ever start in MLS season. Can they turn things around? Can Vanni Sartini find the magic that he brought to the team in the, the last third of last season that saw them go on that fantastic run? Can he capture lightning in a bottle? Twice. Well, I mean, the pressure is certainly mounting on Vanny. He's admitted that himself. Three massive home games now coming up in a row in MLS for the Whitecaps. Four games altogether because you also have a Canadian Championship game against Valor in there. First up is TFC this coming Sunday. They're a team as well that's kind of in a bit of up and down form, but... Whilst they are maybe conceding a lot of goals, they are also scoring a, a lot of goals and Jimenez is having a fantastic start to, to the season for them. So it's not going to be an easy game. After that, they've got FC Dallas and San Jose Earthquakes. Those are two games that they would be hoping to, to be picking points up for. I said in last week's show, I feel they need to take at least seven points from these games, ideally all nine, just to kind of get them back in the, the mix of things and not be cut too far adrift. They've got a couple of weeks now to work on some stuff. This past week, they have been working on a few things. So I got a chance to sit down with head coach Vanni Sartini this week, just to chat about the start of the season, where it's maybe going wrong, how things can turn around, and a lot more besides. So go stick the kettle on, grab your biscuit of choice, Sit back and enjoy our feature interview with this episode with Vanni Sartini. How are you doing, first of all? Good. Could be better, of course, having better results and uh, we're not in a good uh, moment for sure. But, uh, you know, we... The only way that we go through uh, this difficult moment is work. So we are trying to to put ourselves in uh, in uh, work a lot of working hours and uh, trying to be try to improve because that's that's what we want to do. You were quite open and candid uh, after the game on on Saturday. You you said a, a few things, and one of them was that you. You felt there was a need to to reevaluate everything. Yep. Where, where do you see it primarily that that things have kind of fallen down a little bit so far this year? Uh, the way that we want to play is not uh, working. The uh, if we talk about on field stuff, uh, tactical stuff, it's uh, uh, the, the way that we want to press. It's uh, it's not sustainable at the moment because uh, there's not enough pressure from the top guys uh, and uh, the wing back are always caught in between. And uh, so we need to go, we need to reevaluate and go to a more probably uh, simple way of doing things that are, are going to make us being uh, more secure and uh, I would say bringing us that confidence back that was uh, lacking in the last two games. And I think it was uh, uh, the reason why 
the team didn't respond well in specific moments, I would say. Obviously, it's it's easy to to put a lot of the blame on the missing players because I think any any team in this league, if you're missing five, six, I, I know you don't say starters per se, but like guys no. that, that would probably have their their names down pretty early if you're writing down the team sheet. How how difficult is it to get the best out of the rest of the squad when you have so many key players that are missing? You know, it's when you have injuries, it's always a problem because, you know, the choices are limited. But uh, I would say it shouldn't be hard to get the best of the player that you have in the sense of, okay, we have this player at the moment and uh, we... Uh, we we have to work in a certain way. What we've been trying to do is to keep the consistency, okay? Whoever's going to be available, we can play in the same way. We actually realized that uh, uh, if some players are not on the field, we need to use the other players for better for their characteristics. And so that's the reason why I think that... Uh, uh, we need to be more flexible in the way that we approach games accordingly to the player that we have uh, available at the moment. Talking of Kyle, I don't understand yeah. how he can't play with a cast on. I'm not a doctor, so I, I yeah, probably am not the right person to ask. What well, they told me that it's fracture, it's done in a way, in a spiral way that is uh, so um, bad that uh, if the, the, the arm doesn't stand in a position that is always a fixed position, uh, that can be a huge problem for his recovery of the functionality of the, of, the, of the hand. So that's the reason why for a medical uh, problem, he cannot do basically anything besides right. being on a, on a bike or doing some conditioning stuff. Okay, that but, makes a lot but, of sense. But it's uh, uh, again, I, I gave you, I gave you really the layman uh, explanation. That's good. <laughs> I'll, I'll stop going on about it now because it's really puzzled me. But okay, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I guess talking of flexibility, then I mean we've we've spoken a couple of times, other media yeah. spoken to you about it as well about like the th the three at the back. It, yeah. Is that is that set for you? Because it honestly no, doesn't no, no, feel... it's not not. Nothing is set. It's uh, uh, again in the solution that we are uh, looking for. We have this. We have the four at the back. Uh, we are solution. We are thinking about also what I like to call the three and a half, and uh, that's a little variation. So it's uh, nothing is set. It's like uh, we need to go. We need to find a way to, and we're working on it to be compact and aggressive at the same time. Um, in this moment, uh, we are not able to do it. And uh, if we are aggressive, we're not compact, so they're gonna, they can play through us. But when we look for compactness, we're not aggressive, so it's too easy for them to control the ball and play. So it's uh, uh, even if like uh, uh, as a as a general idea, I think that uh, the 3-4, three, 3-4, three, three, one, three, one, 2 is the best way to play with this player. At the moment, it's not working. So 
it's, I would say, would be naive and almost stupid uh, being, I would say, stubborn and try to, to, to find solution, not changing anything. Okay, that that that's good to hear. I mean, obviously, I'm I'm not a coach, but I, just yeah. from watching it, it just feels like with this current group that the three just isn't isn't working. I mean, I I was wanting to ask you about that. So obviously, Nickus Overhill's come to the club, and he's come from a background that's all stats and it's all analytics. So when you sit down and you look at the players in the squad and you're analysing them and you're looking at all their stats and all the analytics, is that throwing up that uh, like a 3-4-1-2 or, or a three-at-the-back system is what suits the, the squad best right now? Well, you know, when I decided to go with this uh, system last year, I it, the reason why was because I thought that we have the player to do it, uh, my thought process was uh, uh, mainly to have one player more when we were pressing, so having seven players up higher on the field. And the fact that we have, uh, in my opinion, a lot of defenders that could play the role of a side centre-back, uh, like Jake Nerwinski, like Florian Youngwert, like uh, Eric Godoy, and uh, we acquired Tristan Blackman, Tristan Blackman in the offseason, uh, make them perfect for their position. And uh, so it give us, gives us the possibility to have one player more pressing, seven instead of six, if you play like with a 4-3-3 or with a 4-4-2, for example. Uh, it was successful last year. So the player showed me that they can do it. Uh, this year is not successful, has not been successful. And uh, I don't think the fault is on the back three. I think the fault is because the seven guys who were trying to press and the way that we tried to press uh, wasn't working. And uh, and uh, that's the reason why. If that's not working, it means that the back three, it's on a much more bigger pressure. And uh, and then all the castle uh, falls down. So uh, I think it's um, uh, on the paper. We had the player to keep working on this system like uh, we, we did last year, because basically we have the same players as last year, more or less. And um, but on the field with, mm, with the condition that we are at the moment, uh, players that been missing and uh, uh, also this kind of game requires a lot of confidence and trust in each other that with the with the defeats uh, has been a little down so we need to change it for sure yeah I think a lot everyone looks at the defense when you're losing games but as you said it's not just that and sometimes they have been hung out to dry a little bit You've obviously got a new addition now as well. Andres Kubas announced today as joining the team. He certainly seems like the kind of guy that is then made for this formation and to sit in front of the back three. And it's a guy that we've not really had in Vancouver, that box-to-box guy they kind of destroyed on the number six since probably Matty Laba left. And you look around the league and you see like an Aussie Alonso and that kind of guy is what Vancouver's been lacking. Do you, do you feel Kubis is going to kind of be a, not 
the sole answer, but a big part of that missing link between the back three and the midfield now. Yeah, one player cannot be the answer on everything. Uh, I can tell you that the reason why uh, the scouting group uh, proposed uh, Kubas and then uh, when I watched him, I, I, I was very happy that if the team was going to buy him and everything, it's like the main reason it's... Uh, uh, it's also it's it's ability it's ability of winning the ball back. I think all the midfielders that we have, uh, uh, I kind of disagree with you in the terms of because uh, well I don't know if I disagree with you I don't know what you mean by box to box because for me Seb and Rusty are both both good box to box midfielder and uh, Leo is a good midfielder in uh, getting out of pressure and uh, and building up. Uh, in terms of characteristic, what we miss probably it's a ball winner, and Kubas is a ball winner. So we're gonna have much more uh, uh, of, uh, I would say, uh, all the uh, characteristic that we need in the perfect midfielder are gonna be filled now with the midfielders that we have uh, available. I guess what I was meaning by that, just to kind of clarify for people that are listening, is like. Berhalter, I've liked this year. I, I thought he's done really well. But I do feel that him and Rusty maybe don't have the offensive output or don't have the attacking thing that I look for in, in, a, in a number six. But that's maybe just me. No, no, it's, a, it, it's clear that they're not classic playmaker. Uh, uh, last, you know, in our, but in our, Roster, we have midfielders that can be playmaker. To be yeah. honest, we have Leo, Wusu, and Kayo, and unfortunately, we never had this year both of them. Uh, and uh, talking about, and again, talking about Seba, uh, I think he can he can become the that that kind of playmaker even for the future. And I'm forgetting, sorry if I didn't mention before Michael, but this oh, yeah. that has been. Even him always battling with uh, with injuries, so it's hard for him. But uh, especially when he came on the bench, like against Kansas City, he gave the assist for the winning game for the winning goal against Montreal. He provided a lot of uh, quality balls. One of the the other things that you you mentioned after the game at the weekend, you said trial of interpretation from too many players. By that, were you meaning that when they're going on the pitch, they're not following the game plan or is it that they're kind of going into business on, on their own a little bit on the pitch? And what is behind that? And how do you get them out of that? Uh, in a way, but uh, I would say it's a little bit deeper in the sense that uh, I think that uh, the first uh, defeats, uh, and again, I saw this only in the last two games. I have to be very clear on that. Uh, the fact that... Uh, this kind of uh, confidence and trust in the way that we were going, we were, we were working, uh, maybe was not that uh, uh, hard like before. As soon as something happened against us, like for example, last last week the goal, uh, because we consider a goal for a stupid uh, mistake, then players start and trying things uh, on their own uh, because they're forced and they think that they want to solve the situation in this way and that make them going away from the original plan and what we're trying to do and this is not a good thing because you know it's a team sport and uh, if you not do what you're supposed to do even if your intention are good because you want to help the team 
you're actually messing up uh, uh, for the other 10 players. And uh, I think that that what happened uh, in the game in Montreal and in the game in Austin. And uh, it can't happen in the next game because our strength is the way that we play as a team. It's uh, if we leave the thing for individual interpretation, it's uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a problem. Individual interpretation can happen inside the organization of the team, and then of course at the end, uh, in the last 20 meters of the field or 25, if you wanna leave leave up my creativity, there's no problem. But uh, I need to stick to the plan and, and do what I'm supposed to do, especially when things are not going perfectly, because that's the only way to get away from difficult situation together, give a hand to each other, because by yourself, it's really hard to 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 get away from from the from from this situation. So is that what you meant when you said that you want the team to be the leader as opposed to having individual leaders on the pitch? Because when you said that first, I was kind of like, that's strange, because right now it does feel that there needs to be some individual leaders out there. But from what you've said there, that explains it maybe a little bit more. But Yeah, I, I don't believe on leader on the pitch. Right. I believe in leader in the dressing room. I believe in leader in the group. I believe in that kind of thing in the in the group dynamic. I believe that uh, the, in the field, the game is so fast and the game is so, I would say, uh, demanding that... Uh, the only the only thing that you need to follow is your task for the team, because if you need someone to tell you what to do, you're gonna be always late because the the game is is much faster than uh, any kind of thoughts that you can have when while you're playing the game. So on the field, the only leader must be our team tactical principle, and uh, if we don't follow that leader, it's a problem because uh, if one guy can really mess up for 10 guys, even if that guy has the best intention. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I've got two last things to ask you. Mm-hmm. Uh, first one, I asked Axel this this morning as well, but just to get your take on it. The WFC 2, it's been a, a joy watching them this season. It's a great bunch of lads. They're all playing together for, for each other, and there's a, a lot of exciting talent coming through there. The fact that you've got this team now and the fact I I know this weekend you're going to have some first team guys on the team, but then you've also had like Ali's come up and Emmy came up and on short term loans. Just talk a little bit about the importance of that when you get a, a little brief look to evaluate these guys just to see if they can actually maybe crack it at the higher level. Of course, it's a no, it's not important. It's like, uh, again, uh, first of all, I'm extremely happy that they are doing well and we have a team. I coached these guys last year. I know how hungry they are to be, to show everyone that they can be professional footballer, to have their chance. And uh, that having this team is actually giving them a chance. Uh, if we didn't have this team, Ali would never have a, de- a debut in MLS. Uh, because the only reason why Ali came here last year from from Toronto is to okay try to play with the second team. We saw him that is good, and now he played with the first team, and maybe will be called up again in the future. So, and uh, even if only one player of the 20, 25 guys that are going now 
they are they are uh, work, playing now for the uh, WFC two are is becoming a future uh, MLS starter for the White Cups, and <laughs> that's a, an enormous success. Success, and even if it's not, uh, the just the I would say the 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 togetherness that this kind of team can put with us in the city of Vancouver and the fans, like 75% of the kids are from the lower mainland area. So it's, uh, it's a great spot for soccer in this, uh, in this area, because uh, there's a really a pathway to become professional because these guys are already professional and to uh, really feel, uh, uh, I would say someone that is really linked to the community. Now, I'm I'm not trying to massage your ego here, but like everyone I've spoken to on the team so far, from Daza to players, they've all spoken so highly of you and like your your role in getting them to to the stage as well, which has has been lovely to hear. I, I was just I just throw another one in that I wasn't going to ask, but like talking about the call ups, Canadian Championship games coming up. Valor yeah. just hit six goals at the, the weekend, and yeah. obviously with Phil coming back, he's going to be so up for this. Is yeah, that sure. the kind of game that you would think, oh, I could maybe give some of these young guys a chance, or is it too important to the club? And if everyone knows, like previous history against CPL sides in the competition, can you not really take that risk this year? <laughs> Uh, we lost the last two Canadian Championship bid against CPL teams, so we need to have absolute respect of Valor and of their potential. Uh, the Canadian Championship, I would say, is uh, uh, objective number one for a main of re- for, for a lot of reason. It's a competition that you can win, win in four games, while MLS you need to 34, then play off and everything. And then the season now is not going very well, so we need to have a boost of something to that can can be something that an objective that we can go on. So uh, I won't use the game against Valor for experiments. I will use the best formation, best lineup possible in order to qualify for the for the second round. Uh, but I can tell you that. Uh, uh, I will be always up for uh, giving young player opportunity like I did with Emiliano in Columbus and with Ali in uh, in uh, in Austin and uh, young players for the second team will have n- other chances to show up themselves in the first team uh, during the season. Last thing for you, Vanny, and I, I know you touched a little bit on this in the main media scrum yesterday, but there's, there's three MLS games coming up at home. The yeah. team just now, you're, you're eight points below the playoff line. It, I don't want to say must win at this point of the season because it's still super early. You can, say, you can say that. That's oh, no problem. I mean, it, to me, it feels like you need at least seven points from these three games or you risk being really cut adrift from the, the playoff line way too early. Are you feeling that pressure? Of course, of course. I, if I wouldn't feel the pressure, I would be either a fool or someone who doesn't care. And uh, so I feel the pressure. I know that we have to win. I know that we have to perform. Uh, at the same time, I'm trying to manage in the pressure in a way that the pressure is not going to overwhelm me. Because uh, if uh, the only way for me to be 
taking decision and taking the strategy in the best way is to have uh, my not thinking what can happen if I lose, but just thinking what is best for the team. So uh, you were talking about eight points behind. Uh, there's 26 games yet till yeah. the end of the season. Uh, I, I said it was early. <laughs> no, 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 no. But 20, no, I'm, I'm telling you this. 26 games means, uh, let's say, 24. So let's say that we have six mini championship of four games from now on. And then we have two bonus games too. Okay, so each four games, we need to to gain at least one one point and one slash two points to the to the playoff line. So next four games, I would like to be not eight points behind, but six points behind. Then the, the success, the next four games, five points behind. So in this way, we're going to be at the line at the end. We don't have to close the gap to, in four games, but we have 26 games. But... You are totally right. We are lo- we already lost six games. And any team that loses more than 11, 12 games, it's really hard for them to go into the playoffs. So we cannot uh, we cannot lose no- so many games in the future. That's a, a great way to look at it. Thank you for your time as always, Vani. It's always a pleasure. And yeah, good luck and see you on the pitch soon. Fantastic, Mike. Thank you so much. That's great. Thanks, Vani. Take care. Whitecaps FC head coach Vanny Sartini there, as honest and candid as always, and always a, a pleasure to sit down and have a chat with Vanny. A, a lot to, to kind of unpack from that. We'll do some this week, we'll do some next week when Zach and Steve are back as well. One big thing to, to take from our chat there, though, is it sounds like the three at the back... Maybe just temporarily, but it sounds that for the, the next couple of games at least, that's going to be shelved. Looks like we're going to be going back to a back four. I believe they have been working on that a little bit at training this past week. So it's going to be interesting to see how that looks. Who's going to slot into what positions back there, especially with hopefully Eric Godoy back in the team as well. I, I would be hoping we, we're going to see Tristan Blackman in a right-back role, Godoy and Ranko in the middle, Christian Gutierrez as left-back. How it's going to line up then in front of that is is going to be interesting to see as well, whether they're going to go 4-1-3-2, 4-4-2, whether that's a diamond or whatever. But they'd certainly have to get this midfield up and running. And hopefully... The addition of Kubis is going to help, but we're not going to see him for a few weeks. Whether this other new addition that is hopefully going to come before the trade window closes, I mean, it could be anywhere on the pitch, but they might be looking at the middle. They hopefully might be looking at something up front. But Vanny also being very honest, he knows he's under pressure. He cares about this team. He wants this team to do well. So of course he's feeling the pressure. But is he getting the response from the players that that he should be getting? That is still one of the, the burning questions. And listening to Vanny talk there about it just takes one player to go out on that pitch and ignore the game plan, maybe not intentionally, but just because they feel they have to chase the game or try and do something different. And it's it's upsetting the balance. It does feel, though, that things are a little bit deeper rooted than that. 
who are the, the leaders on the team? Sure, Vanny's saying that he doesn't want to see leaders as such kind of taking control on the pitch, which I, I still don't agree with, to, to be totally honest. But who's who's the locker room leaders right now? Russell Tiber is the captain. For me, I don't see him as being that locker room leader. You see a guy like maybe Flo Youngworth standing up. Tristan Blackman might be a guy that stands up as well. Kava should be somebody that's standing up in that locker room. I, I don't know if he is. But the players have to take a lot of ownership for this. And they have to follow the plan, follow what is expected from them. And just so far, we just haven't been seeing it. We just, we're not competing, Vanny says. And that is clear on the pitch as well. Can they turn it around in these three games? Genuinely feel that they have to take as many points as they can from these seven to nine. Or it's not game over. But the fat lady is certainly starting to clear her throat. So we'll see how all that plays out. We'll be back chatting about the TFC game next weekend. That is it for our Whitecaps and MLS chat. But it's not it for our Whitecaps chat because we're going to be turning our attention to MLS Knicks Pro next. And we've got a fun interview with a couple of their star performers so far. And we'll be back with all of that after this. Hello, I'm Nick Datsovich. You're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's another song from our Artist of the Month here at AFTN for the month of May from Chicago. That was Horse Girl, and that was the title track from their debut EP, Ballroom Dancing, etc, etc. That was Ballroom Dancing. Released in 2020, has a little bit of a, a Bell and Sebastian kind of vibe to it, I, I kind of feel, with kind of female vocals. But check out all their stuff, as I mentioned, on Bandcamp. They've got their new album coming out next month. And we'll have another four, maybe five songs from them over the course of the month on the show. But let's get back to the football chat now. And we're going to continue the the Whitecaps chat, but we're going to be moving away from the first team and MLS. 
because, as I like to keep saying, not everything is doom and gloom with the Whitecaps just now. There is, thankfully, Whitecaps FC2, and they had another win ticked off this weekend. Swangard Stadium, Saturday afternoon, 2-0 victory over San Jose Earthquakes 2. Not the best game they've played all season, I've got to say that. Was a, a pretty boring game, actually, all truth be told. But the action came at the start and at the end of this one. Two minutes into the game, probably about 80 seconds to, to be exact, Vasco Fry getting his first professional goal, putting the Whitecaps 1-0 up. Nice little finish after winning the ball. Keeping the run going of players getting their first pro goal as well with the team. And the Whitecaps were the, the better team in this for pretty much most of the game. The Quakes did have a, a couple of moments here and there, but the Whitecaps wrapped it up three minutes into stoppage time. Pedro Vite getting the goal, a nice volley to give the Whitecaps a 2-0 victory. Vite, one of a number of first-team players to, to play in this one. Flo Youngworth got the start. He's going with just Flo on the back of his jersey now as well. Something to, to note from this one. In fact, it was uh, an all-Whitecaps backline. Corey Cropper got the start in goal. Flo Youngworth, Eric Godoy and Matteo Capagna fell in the back three slots. Pedro Vite in the midfield. Good to see them keeping a clean sheet. Also really good to see Eric Godoy back on the field again. He got a run out a couple of weeks ago for WFC2. Came through that one unscathed down in Tacoma. Came through this one as well. Hopefully that is going to see him getting a start in the first team against TFC next Sunday. Looked really good as well. Put himself about a bit. Some crunching tackles from him. Just what I like to see from him. So really, really Hope that this is him over this injury now and we're going to see him for the rest of the year in MLS. But that victory for WFC2 saw them keep their three-point lead at the top of the Pacific Division of the Western Conference. 12 points from their six games played now. Three wins, one loss, two draws. One of those draws, though, was then a win in the penalty shootout as well. 12 goals for, seven against... Looking pretty strong right now. They're sitting fourth overall in the Western Conference and they've got a big game coming up next Saturday. They travel to take on St. Louis City 2, who are currently sitting in third place in the Western Conference. So a big game there for the young Caps. And overall throughout MLS Next Pro, the White Caps have the fifth best record as well. Houston Dynamo 2 lead the way, Pamadou Cars, North Texas SC are second, then Columbus Crew out in the east, St. Louis City on fourth, and the Whitecaps in fifth. So showing just how tough that Western Conference is, four of those top five teams coming from the West as well. So great starts for WFC 2, and they've been excelling all over. The, the attack's looking good, the midfield's looking good, and defensively looking very good as well. Three straight wins now on the bounce for the team. And while for this one there was a, an all-MLS backline, there's been a really good solid backline in a number of the games. The two Campania brothers, Matteo and Christian, along with Simone Massey, have been very solid at the back for WFC2. And it's great to see the Campania brothers out there doing so well for the team. 
Wanted to sit down with a pair of them to, to have a chat for a while now, but with Matteo getting the call up for the under-20s and being away with Costa Rica, thought I'd wait till he came back just to, to chat to him about that, what it's like playing alongside his brother and a lot more things as well. So go stick the kettle on, grab another hot beverage of choice, sit back and enjoy our chat with the Campania brothers, Matteo and Christian. <laughs> Thank you so much for, for joining us today. I just wanted to start off by just asking both of you. WFC 2, great start to the season. First game was maybe a little out of sorts, but you seem to have really hit your stride and you seem to be going from strength to strength and you all seem to be really enjoying your football out there. Yeah, it's been, you know, it's been a great start, honestly. Um like you said, Houston, we were kind of still sorting each other out, feeling each other, getting used to it, kind of getting used to professional game. Because for a lot of us, it was our first game. And then we've just been building off that every game, getting stronger and stronger, getting more used to each other, more confidence. And honestly, it's been great. Um, you know, we're a real brotherhood with the team and, you know, we, we love playing with each other. So we got a real connection on the field, good understanding. And, yeah, we're looking forward to the game, the games ahead, especially this weekend against San Jose. Uh, yeah, I think um, the team's a real family. Like I've seen like everyone's around the same age or a little bit older, a little bit younger, but no one treats anyone different. And we all have a positive mindset and we all want to win. We want to show the people that it's a winning team and we want, want to do the best we can, you know? Uh, Christian, you mentioned brotherhood there. I spoke to, to Ali at the weekend and he used the exact same term. Obviously, you are brothers on, on the team and we've had a couple that's come through the Whitecaps in recent years, the Baldissimos, the Chungs, now, now yourselves. What was it like growing up together in what I can only imagine was a, a household that was like football fanatics and with Italian heritage, uh, I guess football was really going to be the only sport that, that you guys were going to be playing? Yeah, so, you know, football's in our blood. Um, Italian heritage, Italian father. He got us into it at a young age, and from then it's it's just been all football, all our lives. It's the only sport we played, and really just dedicated everything to it. Big passion for it. Um, and you, know, you watch us play out there, and you know we're, we're center backs. We love to defend the Italian style. You can see it in us. And yeah, um, growing up, we just always always have the ball, kicking around, you know, breaking stuff. Parents aren't happy, but you know they, it's great. Um, so yeah, it's honestly we bonded through through football, our family, and me and Mattel getting to play with each other now. It's just, it's an honour, and it's an honour to represent our city together, our family, and, yeah, it's, being on the field is, it's amazing. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's kind of surreal, to be honest. Like, that's all we've kind of dreamed of, and playing at a pro club in our hometown, you know, it's, it's on it. Yeah, it's an honour, man. Like, we couldn't ask for anything more, and our youngest brother, he's going through the ranks right now, too. We just started with the uh, U14, so. Oh, wow. All three of us are in there, so yeah, it's just soccer family, man. Is he a centre back as well? <laughs> he plays uh, like a six or a right back, but who knows? Maybe in a couple of years he might get moved down the ranks. That's what happened to all of us. So eventually he'll just get moved down and down until he's a centre back. I was actually going to ask you that, so I'll ask you both that now. So did you both start off at centre backs? Because like, when when we've had like brothers in the past, like the Baldissimos were all like midfielders, uh, and the Chungs were kind of like wing backs or, or full backs and have you both always been centre backs? 
Nah, I started off as a midfielder, like an eight, and then I went to a six, and then <laughs> my U seventeen year, like I turned into like a back three center back, and then yeah, center back here now. So yeah, for me, when I was growing up, I was always a a winger, a striker. So playing for Surrey United, always striker, winger, attacking player. And then one year I got moved down to fullback. So I was going right back and then straight into center back. So yeah, since I've been in the Whitecaps program, I've always been a center back. But when I, my younger days, I was always just a winger, a striker. Couldn't defend for my life. But then now, <laughs> you know, now look, what, look what's happened. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's so weird because you speak to so many centre-backs, like Tristan Blackman, when I spoke to him, he used to be a striker as well and had a really good goal-scoring record, and then you look at him now. So when when you were growing up together, Christian, you're obviously a, a couple of years older, was it always very competitive with the two of you? Were you always trying to outdo each other? Yeah, of course. I think there's always a sense of uh, competition and pride, so we'd always go to the field together take turns shooting on each other and you know like we're going up and I'm always hammering him until scoring and then eventually he's starting to get older and better and he's scoring on me I'm just like what what's going on here like how is this happening so but you know we always support each other go into the field um we train together do sessions and you know we've always just support each other and help each other out through the way no yeah I think I think when we're younger it's more like which parents are going to which game you know what I mean like and then now we got older like we play together so it's kind of easy for us and Mm. Oh, yeah, we've we've had a hard a lot of hard times like going training and on our off time and doing stuff together like just just working working you know so it's and good. You, you seem to get on, which not all brothers do. Um, yeah. Like, who's the better of the two of you then? <laughs> oh, on the field? Yeah. Oh man, some <laughs> question. Uh, depends who you ask. <laughs> I was both expecting you to say the other one, but okay. <laughs> um. Obviously, the last couple of years, it's it's been difficult times. So, like Matteo, you were coming through the the residency and getting into the under twenty threes, but then the under twenty threes didn't have anything to play in really, and you had a couple of games against local teams. How tough was that for you those those couple of years? I think it was hard because. Like my U seventeen year, we were fully in. Like we had J Cup, we had League, we had everything, and then boom, nothing. Right? We go up to twenty threes, and you want to play. Like you miss that playing in week week in week out, you know. And then once you go and play against the teams that necessarily aren't at that level that you want to be, then it's just kind of tough, and you get a little bit frustrated. But you just gotta still work hard, you know. Uh, Christian, you obviously went off to college, and mm-hmm. then that was that was disrupted as well. Had you always planned to go into the pro ranks or did, when COVID hit, did that kind of make you kind of rethink what you wanted to do? Yeah. So for me, I've always wanted to be a pro. That was always my goal. And COVID hit and I kind of was forced to go to school in a way because there was not much going on here. So I went to school. I was fortunate enough to get some games in in the spring. And then, yeah, I decided to come back here when I heard about the U23 uh, MLSX Pro team. But, yeah, it's always been the goal. It's just, yeah, with COVID coming in and the past couple years, it was hard. There wasn't really much opportunity here. So I decided it was best for me to go to college and try to pursue that. Obviously, it's going to have been the dream that you're going to be playing together on the same team at some point, especially both coming through the same club. Did you honestly think it would happen or did you imagine that you would end up going your, your different ways? Honestly, I, I I saw it happening to be honest. Like when Christian came back, he started training with uh, the twenty threes again. And honestly, I could see it from from the start. And 
he's been with the club for a bit longer than me, but not too much. But honestly, like we've had different paths, but honestly, like his goal was to go like, go pro, and it happened, and I could see it right away. And yeah, yeah, no, um, definitely. I always thought that it was a possibility being in the same club um Mateo's three years younger so you know there's a bit of a gap but as we got older and older I can see it happening Mateo's you know starting to train with older teams and then eventually he's with us and we're training and yeah it's 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 something that it's been a long time in the making but it's great to see it happen now I'm really happy yeah it's, it's great to, to see you out there and with, with the, the twos as well that back three um with Simone Massey all, all Italian centre-backs, I, I guess, as well. But it's like you seem to really be getting a chemistry together out there. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. We love, you, know, you see it, we love to defend. We have lots of passion for it. We love, we want to play with the ball. We want to build out. And yeah, the three of us have good connect, good uh, chemistry, good connections. We've all played with each other in the past. So yeah, it's great to be playing with each other. And I think we all have a, a really solid understanding of, you know, who's doing what. And we all just trust each other. The most important thing is trust. And we can all just put that in each other. Yeah, so. Yeah, I mean, Matteo, you've got your MLS deal, and then it w- it was one of those weird deals that you couldn't get added to the roster until there w- was a spot last year. So I know you went and played a few games I- in York. How did you find that, and did that just give you a taste of just wanting to get back into it and really showing what you could do to to get your chance in the first team? Yeah, I think going to York and being in a different province and city for that amount of time I learned a lot and I think it's probably the best thing that was to happen for me at that time not being on the roster and not really having games even with the second team so I think being there impacted me because I was around all those pros and they've been around all the all the world and stuff like that so the CPL it's it was good for me I was a year younger but you know I was still the youngest there and I just learned a lot and coming back like I realized like you have to fight like you have to want to be there and you realize what you have and you can't take anything for granted you know so being to get that spot now and being on the roster right now it's something i gotta still fight for you know and keep that deal that i have you know and christian not trying to blow smoke up your ass but i said at the start of the season that you were right up there as one of the guys that i would imagine is going to get an mls deal through your play and from what i've seen from you so far when you see guys like Ali and Emmy going up and getting their chance in the first team, and I just spoke to Axel about the chance that there is these short-term loans, does it make it seem a, a lot closer that this can happen? And I, I guess, you know, if you do well in the twos, you are probably going to get a chance with one of these deals at some point. Yeah, no, it's amazing to see it. And, you know, it, it's, it shows us that the pathway is there. Um, and it, you know, it's with their success is our success because it shows well for our team and, you know, it motivates us. It's motivation to get there um, because we see that if we're playing well, we can get the chance to go up. So it's great to see Ali and Emmy get the chance in basketball as well. And I think everybody's more motivated from it. And, you know, it's just another thing that uh, fires us up. Last couple of things for you. Um, st- start with you, Christian with this just about national teams so you've both been involved uh, at youth level with Canada and then last year Christian I know you spoke a little bit about this in, in an article on the Whitecaps website but I've been wanting to talk to you about this for ages how did the chance to train and be one of the squad training players with the national team come about because that's a that's a big 
kind of belief on how good you are to get get taken into a squad like that? Yeah, so I was coming back from Albany from the spring season, and I joined up with uh, a second team when Vanny was a coach. And then around the right before the Gold Cup, I got uh, got called by John, and he was he was just telling me, yeah, we need a we need a local player to come in, more of a defensive that can play across the line, just come in, train with us, and. And of course, I was delighted, and so I said, "Yeah, of course." Um, you know, and Whitecaps, fortunately, they gave me the blessing to go. And from there, it's just uh, the biggest blessing of my life, the biggest opportunity. It's been amazing. Uh, it was amazing to be a part of that, and and yeah, I, I can't thank them enough. It's painted so many pictures for me. It's motivated me so much to see the level and see where they're at, uh, the day to day process they do. It's it's it fires me up every day, and I can't I can't thank them enough for the opportunity. Yeah, because I was going to say, it must have shown you as well, I mean, if you did have any doubts about whether you could make it, that you you can go in there and play against some of the best players in the world just now, especially in Canada's attack. Yeah, it's it's amazing, because then also with the national team, you see all the, they all have different paths, right? There's so many different players coming from different backgrounds. You have guys like Alfonso, you know, the generational talents. You have Alistair Johnson coming from school, um, Stephen Vittoria making his way from Ontario at 18 to, to Portugal. Like, there's so many different paths and it shows that anything's possible. You know, you just got to keep working and, you know, hopefully the chance will come. Mateo, you've just come back from Costa Rica with the, the U20s. How was that experience for you? No, like Christian said, like the, the national team is different from the club and you learn different things and different systems and how they play. And, but the players there, it's all it's all the top level, like great guys. Like it's a great environment to be around and you're happy. And Costa Rica is obviously a nice place. So maybe that gave a few points. But uh no, nah, it was it was a great time and I could see the squad really coming together and uh, yeah, we're coming for for that World Cup qualification in June. So Yeah, so I mean that is coming up in June. What would it mean to you to to play in a World Cup for Canada? I mean, it's everything I've ever dreamed of, to be honest. Like, I think every young Canadian kid, like, plays soccer, they want that, you know? And it's like, you feel that, like Christian said, like, every day it kind of motivates you. Even if I'm here, like, it motivates me to play and wake up every day and, you know, have that desire to represent, you know, represent your country, represent your city, your club, everything. That badge, the Canadian badge means everything. Just last thing for both of you. Getting back to WFC2, team at the moment, top of the Pacific Division, playing some nice football, back-to-back wins. How good is this team going to be, do you think, this year? Are you going to be right up there challenging for the postseason? What do you feel the team maybe needs to work on a little bit to make sure that you are in that postseason mix? Uh, for us, the goal is to win a lot. That's to go as far as you can take it. I think we all have that belief. We all have that mentality. And I think Das was touching on before. Um, it's always telling us to never give in, never give up that mentality. No matter what we go through, you'll never see us give up. So I think that that's something that we'll always bring with us and take with us. And hopefully everywhere in our career we take us. But um, yeah, going forward, we wanna we wanna win. And I think, you know, the challenge is just keeping keeping our not getting complacent, I think. Keeping our mentality, keeping Keeping our, our goals just in a line and going for it. You know, we can't we can't let the standings um, dictate us. We can't really look at it too much. We just got to keep playing and the results will come. So that's the main thing for us is we want to win it. Uh, yeah, I agree. This team could do a lot of things and 
there's a lot of talent in this team, a lot of talent, but to us, like we see more than that. We see everyone working together. Like, I, like it's a family, like brotherhood. Like we know that and we know what we can do. We've seen it like in glimpses, but every weekend, every week we're doing, we're doing better and we're getting better. We're showing, we're showing great, like high levels, like potential that we could win this whole thing. And we know that and, yeah, Dasovic, he's he's done a lot and put a lot into it so far, and that's how we keep on like keep going, you know. So we can definitely win it. That's great. It's been a pleasure watching the team. It's been a pleasure watching you guys this season. Thank you so much, and good luck for the rest of the year. Thank you. Thank you so much. Great stuff there from Christian Capagna and Matteo Capagna. Really rooting for both of them to get into that first team. Matteo's already got his homegrown deal. I genuinely don't think it'll be too long before Christian follows suit and gets that deal as well. But definitely get out and watch WFC 2. They are one of the bright lights in the Whitecaps right now. Hopefully we'll also be talking about another bright light in the under-19s whose season in League 1 BC gets underway in three weeks' time. On the written side, on the website on AFTN.ca, we've been having our build-up to the League 1 BC season, profiling the managers, taking a look at the teams, we're going to look at the stadiums this week, and then do some squad profiles. And then in the next couple of shows for this as well, we're going to be bringing you a number of interviews with head coaches from around the league on the male and female side, predominantly focusing on some teams that we're going to be doing some commentary for. We'll have more announcements on that coming soon. But that is pretty much it for the football chat on this episode of the show. But it's not it for the show quite yet, because of course we've got to finish by bringing you this week's Wavelength. And... It's Football Violence Awareness Month. Yep, it's been delayed by two months because of the situation at a game in Mexico a couple of months back. But we're bringing it to you now. We're going to kick things off with a song from 2011. London band Booze and Glory. This is a song taken from their 2011 album Trouble Free. This is Hooligan.
in a prison cell He'd be coming home to see his girl Well they may be right, it may be true But if you stand with him, he'll stand by you Cause he's your hooligan, your fuck He's your hooligan, your love Cause in a fight, if you're wrong or fighting He will always be there at your side He's your hooligan, your fuck He's your hooligan, your love Cause in a fight, if you're wrong or fighting so if he's called and done for GBH, he knows that you will wait. You'll be there ready to visit a day, standing outside Wormwood's case when it may be. and glory there hooligan kicking off our latest football violence awareness month a song there just about the loyalty that is shown by hooligans whether it's on the terraces fighting beside their brothers or with their girl they'll be loyal to the end we hope you'll be loyal to the end as well with the white caps they're going through a tough time at the moment but hopefully they can turn things around if you've had enough though, there's a lot more football to be watching, whether it's Whitecaps FC2, whether it's in League 1 BC, the Provincial Cup as well is in full flow just now. Check out all our videos on YouTube, youtube.com backslash AFTN Canada. We've got a couple of quarterfinals up from this past weekend. We've got the first round games as well in the A Cup and we're going to have some B Cup action as well. Semi-finals will be taking place this coming weekend. Check out AFTN and on our Twitter feed for full details. Highly recommend you get out to some of these games. It's a lot of fun. But that is it for this episode of the show. We will be back soon. Steve and Zach will be back soon as well. Remember, you can give Zach a follow on Twitter at ZacharyAM. Give Steve a follow on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. And give myself a follow on Twitter at AFTNCanada. Until next time, thanks for listening. Take care and mon their caps. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.
et...